0: The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. All right. Sweet. I'm just going to pray before I bring the word of God and, um, yeah, expect God to do great things this morning. Father, we, uh, we thank you that we can gather here freely. We can come to encounter you in your word. Father, I thank you that you are a God who speaks today. Yes. You are going to speak to us this morning through, the, through your words, through my words even. That is such a privilege. Yeah, and Father, I pray that you would just minister to each of our hearts. Lord, you would begin to relieve burdens as we already prayed. You would release guilt in this place. Lord, that we wouldn't be under condemnation anymore. But Lord, we would live in the freedom that you've bought for us. Father, we thank you that we've got this great theme of radiate and and reaching out this month. Um, Lord and I pray that you would stir in each of us a heart for mission that we would um, yeah we would begin to just foster habits that that live mission in our day-to-day life. In Jesus name, amen. Awesome. All right, well to begin. What I'm going to need, I want to do something special. I'm going to need some crowd participation, all right? Who's up for that this morning? Oh. All right, guys, we're going to do some stretches. Just do these. Everyone, arms up, arms up, arms up, arms up. This arm up, get some stretches up. Cool. Okay. Just a warning, if you don't like putting your hands up, you probably shouldn't have come today. I'm going to do a quick survey, all right? Okay. It's simple. When you roll out of bed every morning, who here gets up? I'm hoping it's pretty much everyone. Who gets up, brush their teeth? Come on. Oh man, you guys are need, you need better hygiene over that side. Up, 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 up. Hands up. Alright. Who gets who gets dressed when they roll up in the morning? I'm hoping it's hundred percent of you. Like seriously. Hands up, this isn't a joke, people. This is serious. <laughs> Sometimes I struggle with that one. Um, this one might be a bit more sketchy, especially for the uni students. I look after the young adults here, and I know it's going to be sketchy. Who here has breakfast every day? Yeah, yeah, about 50%. Okay. And older people over the side need to have breakfast. It's important, guys. It's important. All right, the reason, reason I'm doing this is because I wanted to see how comfortable we are as a church with building habits, with, with following routine. See, it doesn't take much energy to get up out of bed in the morning. Maybe that takes a bit of energy, but, but to get up and brush your teeth. That's pretty much routine. It's right. It's in there. You got it. You don't have to put your hands up for this one, but just think about it. I want to ask how many of us have made evangelism or mission a part of our daily routine? See, the importance of uh, this came to me last night. As I was um, prepping to go to Anna's 21st, it was formal dress code. I was already running a bit late, but I had to do my bow tie, right? Who here does a tie every day for work? Like, no one. No one wears ties to work. Okay, <laughs> that's perfect. Who, who wore a tie to school? Who I never had that. Like, I didn't have to learn a tie. So I'm standing there in front of the mirror with my bow tie around my neck going, I've done this before, I can do it. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. No. Anyway, pulled it up on YouTube, watched the video. Did it? No, that's not it. Prayed and then finally got it. (laughs) The importance of habits came to me because I realized if we're not doing mission every day, it's going to be like that. It's going to be difficult to come to. It's going to be like trying to do a bow tie. It's going to take a lot of energy when you're not doing it regularly. But if you make it part of your daily habit, make evangelism part of your daily routine, it's going to become a lot more easy. It's going to become a lot more natural to you and not feel so awkward anymore. But it's still a difficult thing. It's not going to be easy to make it part of your routine. And do you want to know why? I think the biggest reason that we struggle with evangelism in particular is that when we think about evangelism, we're we're trying to live up to an example that we've seen demonstrated generally from the front or from TV, like evangelists like Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham's amazing. If you try and live up to Billy Graham, you're going to fail. You're going to have incredible guilt. I'm praying that there's Billy Graham in this room, but it's more than likely... Maybe not. Maybe you're trying to live up to the pastor who, who's always talking about their stories on the plane where he's sitting next to someone and yeah. like, he tells them about his job and then Jesus and then you know, by the end of the flight, they're praying on their knees. <laughs> I'm here to say you're not going to be the Billy Graham in your workplace. I'm here to say you're not going to be the pastor at the front who's ministering on a plane. I've never heard of someone being Billy Graham in the workplace bringing the gospel and praying with the whole team. all right, I want to use hands one more time, all right, guys, one more time and this one is serious, but it will only be a few of you and don't be feel ashamed. I want to ask who who here actually feels like a gifted evangelist, yeah. One, maybe a semi. We've got a semi over there. And a semi at the back. Thank you. See, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says that... I'll turn there. I don't want to butcher it. It says that Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. See, I want to say that that the evangelist model that we've typically become used to, the Billy Grahams, the, the guy who shares the gospel on the plane, the, the walk-up evangelist on the street, that's not the model for the majority of you. You who kept your hands down, that's not your model. That's not something you should be considering for yourself. See, I actually want to release you from that style of evangelism, because I think that when we've we've seen it in that way, we've seen it as just that, it's been unhelpful, and it's created unnecessary guilt, unnecessary burden, and we've got stuck in this, this guilt cycle of where oh, I should be speaking more at my workplace, oh, I should be speaking more in my friendship circles, rather than just fostering a habit of mission. See, the rest of you kept your hands down. You're actually called to something a Little bit more difficult, but I don't want to load you up because, in a way, it's just a habit, just like brushing your teeth, it can become simple. See, you're called to foster in your life a habit of mission in your day to day interactions. Firstly, you're a follower of Jesus, you're not an evangelist, you're a Jesus follower. And so you're supposed to follow him in his mission. Jesus came to do mission, and we're following him in mission. Okay, so I want mission to become as simple for you as it is when you get up and you brush your teeth. I want mission to become as simple for you as getting up and putting your pants on. Hard some days. <laughs> I, know, I want mission to become your intentional focus in your day-to-day interactions. I want it to become intentional so that when you go to your places that you go, you see that as the mission field of God and the things that you do in that place have a missional focus. See, I want to actually release you from trying to create opportunities to waiting for opportunities. See, the Crusades, the examples we have, they were powerful in the 80s. They were powerful in the 50s. They were powerful throughout the last century. It's still powerful today in parts of Africa, in parts of rural Australia. But it's not the model for us. See, I don't want you to take this, this style of a monologue preaching and think that that's what you've got to do. That's not the rhythm you have to pick up in your day-to-day life. See, a monologue, ultimately a monologue where I'm telling Hillary what's right presupposes that I have the right answer, then Hillary has the wrong answer. And that is inherently sort of arrogant, and you're never going to get the guy on side by telling him that. It has a sense of pride in it, actually. And so straight away, I'd get Hillary offside. So today I want to suggest that by fostering habits of mission in your day-to-day lives, you can actually provoke curiosity in people, in those around you, so that they will actually give you a right to be heard on Christ. They will, you will actually earn the right to be heard for Jesus because of how you are living, because of the habits in your life. So my text today is actually 1 Peter 3.15. See, I faked you out with Ephesians 4, got you all the turn there, but we're really going to 1 Peter 3.15. And it should be on the screen, yeah. And it says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, church, I I don't want us to forget the important place of the evangelists. But I want you to know your proper place. I want to release you from the guilt, the the burden of, I didn't share the gospel today. And I want to empower you to be able to do this, to be able to be prepared to give an answer when people ask you about the hope that you have. See, we should be praying for our evangelists, right? Paul elsewhere talks about, can you pray for me, that I would have an open door to share the gospel. And so we should pray for the evangelists, those people who feel called to do that, to live in the lifestyle of Paul, to speak openly about the gospel, to preach like that. But we should also be focusing on our own call to have an answer ready when people ask. See, in fact, this this text, 1 Peter, it assumes two things. By having an answer ready, it assumes that someone will ask you. Did you catch that? That someone will ask you about your faith. See, last week when um, Kate shared, she threw out this incredible stat that 47% of people, Rachel, Kate, Rachel. I called her Kate to her face, so. (laughs) Rachel, when Rachel shared, she gave this incredible stat that 47% of Australians actually want to have a spiritual conversation. That's nuts. I don't know if you actually thought about that. That's one in two people you meet. One of every two people you meet want to have a spiritual conversation with you. As soon as I heard that stat, I thought, yeah, but not with me. Not with me. And it's either two problems associated with that. Either I'm not hanging around with non-Christian people who don't want to have those conversations or I'm not living a lifestyle that provokes questions in their life. See, Peter here emphasizes that we will be a people who live lives of hope. Have an answer ready to give reason for the hope that you have. There's no simple, like, guidebook when you become a Christian to what you're supposed to do on mission. Like, when I started working as a a shop fitter, as a joiner, I I worked at my dad's elbow, right? I learned mission here. Sorry, I learned shop fitting at his elbow. But when we come to Christ, there's no real standard for us to learn mission. See, we teach good disciplines. We teach, like, reading the Bible. I love it. We, we teach about praying daily, having a quiet time, but fostering that regular habit of mission is not something that we do. And because of the evangelists we do see, the models that we do see, we adopt that model for our own life. And so we begin to heave up guilt and, and try and share the gospel in that way which is is incredibly challenging when you're not gifted for it. And let's be honest, you probably consider yourself a bad Christian, right? If you just patiently waited for your friends to talk to you about Jesus. But that's what Peter's getting at here. He's saying that you should be living in a certain way that will provoke questions in other people about spiritual things. One of those two people, Who wants to have a conversation? See, Peter assumes that we will live in a way that is so distinct, so radically different from the norm, that people will begin to ask us, hey, why is it you do the things you do? How come you live this way, Ben? How come you live this way, Peter? What what are you doing? What is your motivation? See, Peter thinks that we should be so radically shaped by the resurrection hope that we have that our interactions are different, that we don't just look the same as Joe Blow down the road, right? We don't just look the same as our neighbors. We don't interact with the world in the same way. In comparison to Peter's context, Peter's context was first century Rome. So, when Christians started living for Christ, it was incredibly distinct. They started loving those people who are unloved. They started hanging out with widows and orphans. They started healing um, the sick and the lame. They started, they, they put aside Caesar as worship. And so their lives became very, very distinct. But the problem that I see with this habit of mission today which helps us live distinct lives is that our world is so shaped by Christian values. The West is actually so shaped by by the, the values of Christianity because of our Christian heritage that it's it's difficult for us to see where the line is, for us to live in a distinct way, because everyone else is living the same way just without Jesus. But I think there's opportunity. I think there's a chance for us. And it it takes deep reflection, guys. It's not going to be easy. Like, the easier route is probably just to take the role of the evangelist and start talking if you want. But I'm I'm challenging you to think about your day-to-day interactions and how Christ deeply shapes them, how you being a Christian fundamentally changes the way you do stuff. For me, it, it has to impact, like, Western materialism, right? We can't just be a people who just keep accumulating stuff. That's not what our hope in heaven calls us to. It calls us to buy into things that are eternal, to, to give to organizations who are helping out with stuff and, and blessing kids and helping overseas. We, we need to buy into that treasure that is eternal, that doesn't rust or fade, that moth cannot get to. It it has to challenge our Western style consumerism. Yeah, yeah. It does and it hurts. See we can't just be the same as Joe Blow. Yes. We can't just be the same as Mary down the road. We have to be different. Yes. We have to be different and we have to think about the way we buy things. Do I just buy everything I want? Do I just accumulate stuff? Do I just use it and throw it out? Now, God calls us to be stewards, right? So we have to radically think differently about the way we consume in a consumeristic culture. It's going to be difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's going to be straightforward. But we just have to think about it. And then as we think about it, as we reflect on our day-to-day lives, I, I promise you people will ask the questions. They will ask, hey, how come you didn't just use that the same as me? How come you're a passionate recycler? Like, how come you care about the planet? Like, but you're a Christian. I thought Christians and Greenies were like opposed. You can do that. Ask yourself how the hope you have changes the way you interact with the world around you. See, we can't just look at work the same either. Work isn't just a dollar, you're not just going there to make another dollar provide for your family, work is an opportunity, work has purpose, work has meaning, work is a place for you to go and work with utmost integrity, to work in a way that, that glorifies God and, and changes the way you interact there, you can't just make that trade because you knew it would make a lot of money, you can't just blame that other person because you know you don't want to get in trouble. Maybe you have to take some of this responsibility. Think about your own workplace. Don't take the things I'm saying. It has to shape the way you do university, how you study, how you retire, how you live, how you have kids, how you raise kids. Everything is shaped by the hope of heaven in a way that people will now ask you questions. CPs yes, yes. can make degrees at uni, but it doesn't necessarily make your life questionable. If you go to university with the absolute integrity that you are here on God's purposes, it will change the way you interact there. It's not about being a super spirit. All right. I'm not calling you guys to be super sparrows and like, oh, l- love Jesus in every conversation. Bless you because Jesus loves you. It's not about that. all right? That is pretty questionable, but it's generally the arrogant, questionable, sort of weird style. I was doing some research this week on, on the power of habits. I thought I'd read a couple of books just to really get my head around habits. And and I found out that the majority of our daily actions, or the things we do every day, come out of habit. They're not out of cognitive thought or not out of personal choice, but actually out of habit. So if we start to foster this habit, guess what will happen? Mission, every day. Evangelism, every day. Not Billy Graham, every day. Mission. See, habits actually decrease the amount of energy needed to do something. How crazy is that? You think about how hard mission is right now. If you work at it, it'll become like brushing your teeth. It'll become that su- simple, it'll become that routine. And An easy example for that, you know, who, who goes to the gym? I went like once this week. <laughs> who knows that like, the more you do an exercise, the easier it gets, right? You can start to lift more weight. You can start to do more reps. It becomes easier because you made a habit of it. Um, There's this cool quote, Aristotle, like ages ago. (laughs) He he said, we are what we repeatedly do. And so if we want to be a people who are radiating, Mm -hmm. we need to repeatedly radiate. We need to repeatedly be on mission, repeatedly radiate we need to begin to foster habits in our life that deeply reflect our passion for christ that flows through in our actions that flows through in our speech that flows through in our attitude even uh, just this week i met a guy um i'm gonna call him jim it wasn't on a plane he didn't yeah let's not go um He was telling me his testimony about how he became a Christian. And I I just thought it was so powerful that I want to share it today. See, Jim was about 19. He was working at Meyer with another guy who was in the same section. I think it was the both section. And um, the other guy's name was Dwight. Jim and Dwight. Office. (laughs) Jim was about 19. Dwight had just turned 21. And Jim asked Dwight, hey, did you go out and get smashed for your birthday? You know, you just turned 21. That's what 21-year-olds do. How'd they go for you? And Jim, Jim, uh, Dwight responded to Jim by saying, no, I don't actually need to do that because I, I follow Jesus. And it wasn't arrogant. It was just humble. And he didn't push it. He just left it there. Next week, Jim, Jim comes back to Dwight and says, hey, can you tell me more about the Jesus guy? Because you're really passionate about it. You're really shaped by your Christian convictions. Can you tell me a bit more about that? And so he did. Dwight tells him a bit more. Dwight starts taking him on to church. Jim still has his questions. But, like, this, Dwight's questionableness, his passion for Jesus, came through in his conviction. So much so that Jim was, Astounded, and he had to come back. He was amazed. He had these questions about the faith. Eventually, he became a disciple, started following Jesus. Yeah, and now, now he's a youth pastor, which is so good. Um, yeah, I don't want you guys to be thinking today, Ben do I really have to just do another thing? This is not what it's about. What I want you to do is actually just make the main thing, the one thing, the main thing. Just let Jesus be the main thing in your life and let it overflow into your interactions, into your daily habits in a way that your hope radiates so powerfully from you that people will question your faith and go, hey, can we have that spiritual conversation? You already have the stat. You know one in two people you meet wants to have that conversation. So if you start living in this way, you're guaranteed results. See, I'm actually releasing you from creating those, those opportunities in order that we can allow the Holy Spirit to create those opportunities. See, that's his job. Jesus said that I will build my church. We don't have to force something to happen. We can sit back and allow Christ to do his work of drawing people to himself and just be there at the right time. See, typically in the past, we've talked about this as just being a coincidence or a God incidence, however super sparrow, you are. But these aren't coincidences. This is actually God's plan when we live in a way that is questionable for people and we live with a hope that so provokes curiosity in them. I want to finish with a bunch of habits that I've read in a book. I meant to bring it this morning. It's called um, Surprise the World by Mike Frost. And it's, it's called five, highly, five Habits of Highly Missional People. So in the book, he goes through bells, bells. And these are basically five habits that he says. If you start to foster these in your day-to-day life, they will incredibly shape the way you interact with people so that you can begin to live a questionable, provoking, thought-provoking life. So to begin with, B stands for bless. These are really simple ways, all right? Bless. To bless someone is not to say bless you when they sneeze. To bless someone, actually, my wife is a great example. She was telling me the other week about in her workplace, just, yeah. So the people in her workplace will make coffees, right? And they'll like half make them. They'll leave them on the Nespresso machine, just letting the water go through, and then they forget about them. Who hates that? I hate that. Luckily, my wife doesn't hate that. She's a loving follower of Jesus who believes in making habits of mission. She, she actually takes the time to finish off those coffees, to notice whose cup it is, to notice whose style of coffee it is, finish it off and take it out to them. It's just a simple way of blessing someone. That, that's powerful because it actually, you're taking the initiative to care for them. Even they may have a busy work day, you may have a busy work day, but you're taking time out of your precious schedule, helping them actually noticing things about them as well, like which cup they use or what style of coffee they finish with. It, it takes thought. You you have to think, uh, you have to be thoughtful yes. about them. Um, and I mean, she's really good at this. Anyway, for you guys to bless is like, oh, okay, you, you do it already. Yeah. We We run these amazing food rosters, right, where we bless individuals in this church who are in need, who might be sick, who might be injured, who might be pregnant, whatever is going on in their life, we bless them. And so imagine if you just started adopting that into your daily habit, blessing people who aren't in this church. Crazy, I know. But imagine imagine cooking a meal for one of your workplace friends, who maybe his wife's pregnant, maybe he's not well that week. Maybe you've called him up and gone, hey, man, I, I missed you at work today. Can I make you a meal? I th- thought you might be sick or something. See, we're already really good at this. We just need to adapt it in a way that radiates out, yeah. that doesn't just breathe in. Yeah. Um, like, we did this at, at our house. Tanner and I live with my parents. And one day we were cooking from Food Roster. I, I don't remember whose it was, but... We were cooking, and my mom and dad were like, why are you doing that? Who are you doing that for? You you guys just had a hard day at work. You just worked eight hours, ten hours, whatever. And now you're, instead of cooking for yourself, you're choosing to cook for someone else? What is this strange love that you have for one another? You know, what's this hope that you live with that doesn't just look at the here and now? So begin to bless one another. Begin to have those practical acts of love in which you, you've taken time to remember someone's need or someone's, I and mean, you've taken some initiative on it. It's pretty simple. Bless. All right. Number two, my favorite. Eat. Preach. Preach. Um, my favorite habit, let's be honest. Eat. Um, we already have this habit. Who eats every day? Pretty much everyone. Good. Good. Okay, but what I want you to think about is intentionally eating with other people. The Bible talks about the power of hospitality and the power of, of sharing a meal with one another. Jesus actually did this a lot. You read the Gospels and it's like, oh, Jesus was out to dinner, Jesus was out to dinner, Jesus was out to yeah. dinner. Over and over again because he knew the power of sharing a table with someone. So think intentionally about who you are going to share a table with. I'm going to power through these because I'm almost out of time. But yeah, take the time. Actually, turn off your phone and focus on them. Don't be like, oh, hey, how you going? Share your lunch break with them. Think about someone at work who who you might want to eat with. Even take the time to learn more about them so you can bless them better. Done. Um, L is for learning Jesus. If you're going to have an answer ready for the hope which you have, you have to know the answer which is Jesus, all right? So learn Jesus. Um, basically, in the book, Mike talks about how he went to a Christian surfer conference. And he asks them, hey, guys, can you tell me about Kelly Slater? And the room erupts, right? Everyone's yelling, oh, this is the first time he caught a barrel. This is his, how many championships he's won. This is it. And then he asks the same question. All right, guys, tell me about Jesus. And the room's just quiet. Not that they didn't know Jesus, but, We've got to be passionate about Jesus, like he is our absolute hero. Second L is for listen. We're a Pentecostal church, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. So I want you guys to listen to the Holy Spirit. Spend some time praying. Spend some time listening. So spend if you've got one minute, pray for one minute, and then listen for like 30 seconds. Take some time and actually listen for the inklings God's putting on your heart about people because we'll be like, yeah, I want to bless Envy, but God might not be telling me to bless Envy. He might be telling me to bless Charles. So actually spend some time and listen because we want to have God-ordained conversations. And the last one, S, it's actually for sent, S-E-N-T. Not your scent, but sent. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually about having a new attitude. So seeing everywhere you go as a sent place, you are actually sent in that place. Yeah, so have a new attitude, be sent, have new disciplines, listen to the Holy Spirit and learn Jesus, read the Gospels, have new actions, bless and eat. Be a person of humble conviction, right? And impact those around you. Have a distinctness about you, but not an arrogance. Live in a way that provokes others to desire that spiritual conversation. So I'm going to pray and we're going to close up. But yeah, take the challenge. Trying to live with regular habits so that mission becomes as easy as brushing your teeth. Father, we thank you that you are in this and you are for this. Lord, it is your word that says we should live with a hope that provokes in other people curiosity about faith. So we thank you that you will help us in this. Lord, we thank you that you're releasing us from the guilt, the burden of of walk-up evangelism, of, of having to share the gospel in that awkward way. But Lord, that you are calling us to also live a life of mission, a life that is filled with the habits of mission, and Lord, that you're going to empower this. Lord, I pray that you would set in our minds right now that we are going to bless a couple of people yeah. this week, Lord, that we are going to intentionally eat around a table with a couple of non-Christians this week, Lord, that we're going to learn Jesus, that we're going to listen to your Holy Spirit, and we're going to remember that we are sent people of God. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.